Podcast, a conversation where you join David and Reese at the table as they talk about the many questions of life, whether you're in the car, at the gym, or just distracting yourself from being productive. Why don't you pull up a chair? We're glad you're here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hey Dad Podcast, where you join us at the table as we talk about the many questions of life. My name is Reese. And I am David. And this is my dad. And we're just going to go ahead and jump in with the question of the day. Let's do it. Hey, Dad. Yes. I'm wondering, what is one thing that you dreamed of being when you grew up as a kid? When I was a kid, um, probably one of the things, and probably every kid goes through a phase where you want to be a rock star. Ah, yes. So you get like an old wooden tennis racket that for some reason every house had one or two. Oh, yeah. And that became your guitar. Mm -hmm. And I would literally set up in my room and I had these little cones. I don't know what they were for, but they would be my like my lights and pyro. Yeah. And, and I would have that guitar. And depending on what musician I was in, when I was little, I actually was into like rock, like uh, old ACDC back when it originally mm-hmm. came out. It shows the age. Um, but like fifth and sixth grade, that's Dang. what I wanted to be. And uh, I wanted to be a rock star and do all that. So that was something, gosh, I hadn't thought of that in a long time. But yeah, that's what I wanted to be. Yeah. And whenever you were doing the singing for the rock stuff, you were like, yeah, yeah. Which, that guy sounded like he was gargling glass or something yeah, while he was singing. Yeah, which probably that's the best shot I have to sing because I can't actually sing, but I might like do that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's why I wanted to do it. Yeah, I think for me, I was, I've always been a nerd, always. So I, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I had a whole archaeology themed room, thanks to y'all. You did. Uh, I mean, I was totally in it. Everything, I was into Egyptology, all that stuff. We've talked about that a little bit on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to be Indiana Jones. And because by archaeology, I basically wanted to be a treasure hunter. Yeah. I wanted to discover super old stuff because ancient stuff is so cool to me. Yeah. Like, how do these people thousands of years ago with virtually no resources build these giant empires Mm -hmm. so i always thought that that was the coolest thing so if i could uncover new stuff about that yeah i would love to do it but then one fateful day i found out that archaeologists mostly just read and (laughs) dig and don't find anything for like years Yeah. yeah and they're like oh my gosh we found this little shard of pottery and they're pumped about the shard of pottery and i was like this isn't this isn't treasure hunting, man. Yeah, it's not Indiana this... Jones. I'm not fight, fighting Nazis. <laughs> no, no, you're you're just sitting there looking for little shards of pottery. Yep. And so, yep. yeah, quick, I quickly dropped that one when I found that out. Yeah, that's true. That's probably a good thing. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the topic of adulting. Uh, we sent out a poll on Instagram, and you guys voted for adulting over dealing with stress. So we're going to cover yes. this one first, yep. even though I think dealing with stress is going to be a good topic in the future. Yeah. But right now, for the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about practical adulting tips. Now, when a lot of people think of adulting, they only think of you know, how to do taxes, mm-hmm. how to do insurance. And we can cover that eventually, but here in this series, I think we're looking more at the principles of success when it comes to adulting. Mm -hmm. Not just the practicality, but the principles that are going to lead to you having a successful life as an adult. Yeah, and I think it's a thing of of what it takes to kind of 
on that journey to become an adult, what mm-hmm. are some of the things you have to do and think about that a lot of times when you're a kid, you don't even, no one tells you that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, budgeting, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we all think of money whenever we think of adulting. It doesn't matter how great your budget plan is if you haven't learned principles about setting aside time to do things, yeah. about you know controlling your schedule, about self-discipline. So there are kind of some foundational things mm-hmm. that we're going to be covering first yeah. that ultimately can lead to those future things. That's good. So the first topic that we're covering this week is going to be talking about career. I think okay. for a lot of young adults, the biggest thing that they're worried about is either marriage mm-hmm. or career. And yeah. we just talked about relationship for many, many weeks. Yeah, we so did. we talked about that, but career is the other big one. I think there's this this pressure around choosing a career, choosing college mm-hmm. if you're in high school. Yeah, you know, everybody's always asking you, you know, what you gonna do, what you gonna do, what you gonna do. And so you feel this giant pressure. Mm-hmm. And so as we were talking about this topic, I feel like there are some assumptions we're making that's making this process more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think a lot of people come in with, oh, I should I should know this already. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's not fair to think that way. And I think it's good to understand what's real and what's not. Yeah. Okay. Then let's go ahead and dive in. What is one big assumption you think people make that makes this process have a lot more pressure on it? I think a lot of people live under this pressure that you should know what you're doing from day one. That, you know, like when you're in high school, everybody's like, where are you going to college? What major are you doing? In other words, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And you're Mm -hmm. 17 years old and, you know, can barely clean your room and (laughs) and you feel this pressure to make a decision. Then you go to college Mm -hmm. and you're getting toward the end of college. Everybody's like, what job are you doing? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of pressure in all that. And I think the the pressure comes from us thinking this is the most important decision I have to make. And if I make it wrong, I'm going to screw everything up about my life. We do assume that. I think you're right. Yeah. I think, And I think a lot of people feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. But, but the truth is, you know, we're not all knowing. Mm-hmm. We can't know everything. Mm-hmm. And I think what we do is we go into it and we make the best decision. Mm-hmm. But we understand that it doesn't kind of... It's not permanent. Yeah. Like if you pick a job and figure out, hey, this isn't something I'm into, mm-hmm. you can change jobs. That's true. A lot of people do it. Yeah. And a lot of people who are in a job they don't like kind of go out and maybe start a business or do something they never would have dreamed of, but they get an idea. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I think it'd be great to do this. And they do something that maybe is completely opposite of what they were originally doing. Yeah. You know, and... Most people end up going through different variations of jobs or careers. So I think it's understanding that your first pick doesn't lock you in. Yeah, I think you're you're right. I mean, people get stuck in like a cycle of stress Mm -hmm. to where they're like, oh, people are saying I'm I'm supposed to do this, or they're they're saying I'm supposed to know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to do? And so we worry about it. Yeah. But I mean, in the words of Jesus, when he says. Who by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Worrying doesn't make you know more. No matter how much you worry about a topic, it's Mm -hmm. not going to bring resolution. A lot of times it does the opposite. It adds like this fogginess to it. And so even though though we we know that, we have this tendency to worry. Yeah, and I tell people a lot of times that, you know, 
just make the decision and start moving because mm-hmm. uh, use a steering steering a parked car is much harder than steering a car that's moving. Mm. If a car is moving, you can steer it where you want it to go. If a car is just sitting there, you can't really turn the steering wheel. Yeah. And I think in our lives, a lot of us think, okay, let me just sit here until I get the perfect plan. Mm-hmm. No, just pick a direction and go because mm-hmm. you can always turn. You can mm-hmm. always go a different direction. So yeah. that helps to relieve the pressure off it. You know, if you start a job somewhere and you hate it, you can change jobs. People yeah. do it all the time. Yeah. And I think it's the assumption that you have to stick with what you picked or whatever, that you have to know it all up front. Yeah. I think that can that can really lead into some trouble. Yeah, I think so. So what is another assumption that really makes this process harder than it needs to be? And how can we address that with truth? Yeah, I think one of the assumptions that's out there that people are starting to kind of wake up to is that you have to go to college to have a successful career. And I'm not against education. I believe in it. There's a lot of great schools out there. Right. But a lot of people who've done very well in their life never went to college. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people come out of college with all this debt Mm. and they expect, well, I I went to college, so I'm going to make huge money. Yeah. And they're not making huge money, but they're carrying, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. Um, college doesn't guarantee anything. Yeah. Maybe it used to, but it really doesn't. You know, hard work, dedication, those are the key, whether you go to school or not. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to understand with people that a lot of people who never went to college have very successful lives. They're doing something maybe they love. They're doing something that they're doing very well financially in. Maybe they started a business. Maybe they, you know, started selling stuff on Etsy and made a whole career out of it. I don't know. But it's one of those things that I think we kind of push people to college Mm -hmm. when a person may be like, well, maybe I should do something else. And it really depends on their personality and what they want to do and what they think. Yeah. And I think you hit on something so true. In the past... I think college used to mean more. Mm -hmm. I remember somebody said, it's almost like education has had inflation like money has. Yeah. What used to mean a lot now doesn't mean that much anymore. Yeah. It used to be like, oh, you got a college degree. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. But now the truth is everybody goes to college. So it doesn't really matter that much anymore. Having a degree doesn't set you apart. Yeah. But a lot of people just assume you need to have one. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. And we live in a culture that says, if you don't go to college, you're settling for less. Yeah. Like I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend who was going to take a year and then maybe go either into the military or go do a trade. And he felt, and, and I think people just assumed that he was just giving up. But that's, yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. Yeah. Because I mean, the truth is a lot of these manual labor task master kind of jobs if you mm-hmm. get good at them yeah you can make plenty of money yeah. and a lot of it comes down to understanding who you are as a person mm-hmm. because some people they man they love sitting at a desk they they love dreaming they love thinking i'm more like that personally yeah. i i'm more of a school like thinker i'm a deep thinker i enjoy that mm-hmm. but if you're not like that yeah you don't have to pretend to be that or force yourself into that bubble and go to college and like you said end up with tens of thousands of dollars of debt and then be like well that that happened Mm -hmm. but a lot of people when i went to university were in that position yeah they were there because their parents wanted them to be there yeah and and that's what we want to avoid 
Yeah, and that's where a lot of people, they have great careers Mm -hmm. apart from college. And I think it really depends on you and and what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that school is more of a goal to get to, or would you say is it more of a means to an end? I think school, most people, if you look from, most people go to school, if they go to college from 18 to 22. Right. And think how much you grow and change from 18 to 22. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing to, to know is that a lot of people, as they're going to school, they actually grow and change. And some of them even figure out, okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people end up either doing something different from their degree, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Or they change degrees. Yeah. They figure out, okay, I need a degree that's in this area because mm-hmm. I like that better. I took this one class and I love it yep. more than this. Yeah. Like when I went to, to school, I was in banking and finance and I took an accounting class. I took two of them. And I realized I don't want to be an accountant. Yeah. It would drive me nuts to sit there and, and, and try to line up the debits and the credits and all that. So I realized I'm not going to go into accounting. Right. So So I think it's one of those things that... As you grow, be mm-hmm. willing to, okay, maybe I do something different. Just because mm-hmm. you pick a major when you're a freshman doesn't mean you have to graduate with that major or that you'll end up doing a career in what you got a degree in. It's true because cause I knew a guy at college who he actually was working at the university and was kind of a mentor figure for me. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, if you want me to go talk to people, I'm going to be exhausted after 30 minutes. But if you put me in a room alone, crunching numbers for two hours, I'm going to come out more energized than when I went in. Yeah. And like, that's the polar opposite of you. Yeah. But you kind of got to learn yourself. You do. And you're not going to know that when you're 17. Yeah. You you don't, you don't even know yourself. Like I'm 26 and I feel like I'm still learning tons of new stuff mm-hmm. that I didn't know, Yeah. you know? So you just don't need to force yourself into that dilemma. Yeah, I think so. I think another assumption, and I mentioned it for a second earlier, but I think we need to you know, talk about it directly is I think we assume that once you make a career choice, you have to stick with it. It's almost like it reflects your grit, you know, like, oh, oh, okay. So you pick that you want to be a business admin person. You got that Mm -hmm. degree. Cool. You got a business admin job. Well, you got to stick with it, buddy. Yeah. You got to make it happen. It almost like you enter like that grind mentality. Yeah. It's like you just got to grind until you love it or you got to grind till you reach the top. And that can add so much pressure because like, oh, if my first choice I got to stay with, like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I don't even know. I don't understand. And so there's this extra pressure with that. It is. It is. And I think a lot of people give yourself room to grow. Now, sometimes you do have to stick with things. Yeah. And, and, and we'll talk about that. But, but it's also a thing of, you know, once you start down that road, you can change it. Like your first job usually is not going to be your last job. Most mm-hmm. people don't work at a place 30, 40 years and retire. Some people do, and that's fine. But a lot of people don't do that. Like I've got a friend of mine who got a degree in drafting, um, then ended up making teeth, like making dentures, had his own lab oh. for a while, and then um, started working. Uh, now he works uh, rescuing people from sex trafficking. So he's had this whole avenue of life of doing mm-hmm. different things, but look where he's ended up. Mm-hmm. And, and you wouldn't look at his life and say it was a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was a small business owner. He did this, he did that. And mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that a lot of us, as we grow and change, our career grow and change, what we want to do grows and change. Yeah, I agree with that. Because there's this pressure of a decision like 
you know, once you make a choice, it's one and done. Yeah. But the truth is, is it's not one and done. No. It's not one and done. No, you do it now. And and sometimes you got to work and, and, and deal with it and work through it. But sometimes you just figure out, I want to go this direction. I like this better. Yeah. And I, and I feel like this is one end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? So if you go, it's not good to stay with extremes. Yeah. If you go to one end of the extreme, it's that once you pick something, no matter what it is or how much you hate it, you do it forever. Yeah. And that's what we just talked about. And that's just not the case. Yeah. But I think there's an opposite side of the spectrum. I think there's this assumption that you need to find something you're passionate about doing or else you're never going to be happy. Yeah. Um, and that's something I think a lot of people think that, well, I have to be passionate about what I do. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. Sometimes yeah. opportunities come that maybe you're not the most passionate about, but it's an opportunity. Yep. So you start down that road and yep. you develop a passion. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of people took piano lessons when they were little. Right. You know, probably a majority of kids out there as parents tried to sign them up for piano, violin lessons. Right. Majority of people drop out. Why? Because there's they, they just don't enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. it's hard at first. Mm-hmm. But the people who work through that difficult time Mm -hmm. and they grind it out you Mm -hmm. know learning the notes and all that eventually they get to play and they become good Mm -hmm. and even if they never become a professional with it they can play the piano they can play the violin they have something they can enjoy right and they they become something they enjoy and i think we have to have that balance of it sometimes you're doing something that might be kind of a grind at first but you want to put some time in to figure out maybe this fits me better. Maybe this opportunity came because this is a more natural fit for me. Yeah. I've got to learn it. I'm having a hard time learning, doing something different. Um, but let me give it a shot because it might become a passion. It mm-hmm. might become something I enjoy that I didn't even realize I would enjoy. I think you're right. I, I think sometimes there's this assumption that really finding something you're passionate about is all about it being easy. Like if yeah. you do something you love, it's easy. Yeah. And that's just not true. Um, mm-hmm. Now you can enjoy the process of doing something that you love, but it's not going to be an easy thing. And I think sometimes we have people that just bounce from job to job. Yeah. This is the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, because they're looking for that one thing that, hey, once I start this, there's never going to be any negatives. There's yeah. never going to be anything that I don't like. I'm just going to get to do what I love. Yeah. But that's just, there's no job that exists like that. All jobs yeah. have their positives and negatives. Yeah, even if you love a job, there's still going to be days you, you don't enjoy it. It's yeah. going to be hard. It's going to be a grind. Um, well, you look at Steve Jobs. He, he um, started Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, he and, and his partner started Apple. His partner left. He was running it. But then eventually the board voted him out. Mm-hmm. And he got fired, basically. Yep. Spent years doing other things. Then he came back to Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, And so there was a lot of shuffling there, but it made him a better person. And I think that's something we have to remember. But sometimes the journey is part of our growth. Yeah. And, and a love for what you do can develop over time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like that first moment, like, bang, wow, that's yeah. amazing. It can take time and develop. Yeah. Like There was a person at uh, my school who uh, she was a lady that worked in the cafeteria. Her son started working for Walmart in high school. Mm -hmm. And he eventually just worked his way up. And now he's a general manager. He's making six figures and he's over stores Mm -hmm. and he's killing it. 
He's yeah. making more money than most entrepreneurs probably are. Yeah. And he enjoys what he does and it's at Walmart. Yeah. Right? Nobody nobody like as a kid's like one day I'm going to work at Walmart. That's right. That's you know, my goal. <laughs> I'm going to I want people to save money and live better. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It it's like it's not a glamorous job per se, mm -hmm. but they developed a love for it and then they enjoy it. Yeah, he found something he enjoyed doing and was good at. Mm -hmm. And if you want to dive in deeper to this particular aspect of the topic, Cal Newport has a really good book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And he talks about this and he talks about how nine out of 10 people that are successful and love what they do in business, high performers, nine out of 10 of them did not start out absolutely loving it. They kind of just found their niche and then worked their way up to that point and now they love it. And so you just have to give yourself time to be able to decide whether you like it or not. You gotta give yourself some time to get through the that initial tough phase. Yeah, I think give yourself some time and, and kind of focus on just staying growing yourself. As mm -hmm. you grow, I think you get better direction for your life. So let's go ahead and jump into the questions of the day. Um, you know, last week we talked about the topic of viewing sex with a healthy mindset. And mm -hmm. this is a great question that has to do with that. Uh, this says, how does someone deal with sexual trauma? Yeah, I think it starts with recognizing that it is trauma. Right. I think a lot of people think, well, you know, this happened, that happened. Um, and some people get confused. Was it my fault? Um, because sometimes the, the person who perpetrates it makes you feel like it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And so I think the thing to do is understand what it is and just talk with someone. Don't right. try to battle it yourself. Yes. You know, find a counselor. And, and I say get someone who's a professional. I wouldn't go, you know, other people can sympathize. Yeah. They can help you and encourage you. But you need someone who can help you walk through it. And it's going to be someone who's a professional at it, who can help you view it yeah. from the right angle yeah. and know, you know, uh, what you need to be responsible for and not, but mm -hmm. also how to handle it and, and what to do with it. So it doesn't move into your life and start affecting everything you do. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that piece of advice because what somebody needs to do and can do, it's possible is separate the traumatic experience mm -hmm. from what sex is in general. Yeah. Um, like I've heard stories of people who had a hard time when they first got married, even having sex because of the trauma they've been through. Yeah. And a lot of that, it takes a healing process to realize what happened to me is not a reflection of what sex is. Yeah. It was somebody met, like really just going over all boundaries and, and mm -hmm. really just moving too far in so many ways. Yeah. And and you have to process that experience mm -hmm. in order to separate it from what sex is or else you can never have a, a healthy sex life until you walk through that. Yeah, because the goal is to have a healthy view of sex. Right. The goal is not just to get over something. Exactly. The goal is to learn that sex is something God created and in his area, in his the arena that he created for, it's a beautiful thing. Right. But if we've been hurt by it, mm -hmm. it's hard to see it as a beautiful thing. Yeah. Let's go to the next question. It's a little bit less heavy, but very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it says, I have a hard time reading the Bible. What can I do to read it more? 
I think it starts with, uh, one, what Bible are you reading? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to find a version of translation that you can understand. Uh, some people, maybe you're reading in the Old Testament in an old King James Bible that was your grandpa's Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's cool to have, but maybe you don't understand it as well as a newer translation. Right. Um, so first, I would say that. Two, maybe reading is not your favorite thing. Mm -hmm. So find other ways to put the Bible in you. I always tell people that they can listen to the Bible. You've got different apps on your your phone that you can listen to the Bible where Mm -hmm. someone can read it for you. Mm -hmm. Find those different ways to put it in you. Um, do something like the Bible Project app, mm-hmm. and and it helps you understand what you're reading. Yep. So you don't feel so lost. Yeah. You know, some people they start. You know, I'm going to read through the whole Bible, and they start in the book of Genesis, and they'll make it through Genesis and maybe even Exodus, um, but then they hit Leviticus, and that usually dooms them. It's done. Because they yeah. don't understand it, they don't know why it's there. Mm-hmm. So I would say don't start at the beginning all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, find some of the easier books. Start with the Gospels. Find some things that help you kind of see the big picture um, and do it that way. And understand you don't have to read the Bible all in a year. Yeah. The goal is to understand what you read. Yep. I, I definitely agree with that. In fact, I would just second that recommendation for Bible Project. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of great resources. In fact, they have an app. Uh, so if you just go to the Bible Project app and download it, it's really good because the, this is the truth. I think sometimes we expect the Bible to not be that hard to approach. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is it was a document written by ancient Jewish people that God used in yeah. their context. Yeah, And so you, it, it's like the equivalent of reading like mythology or something mm-hmm. from an ancient culture. Like you're going to have to do some homework to even meet the people where they're at and understand what they're talking about. Yeah, And God does use his word and he does provide grace whenever you don't have the tools to do that. Mm-hmm. However, if you do have the tools like the Bible Project, which yeah. is free, it I can promise you it makes the process so much more enjoyable. I've gotten to the point in my life where I actually I actually really like looking and diving deeper into the Bible. Yeah, and a lot of people approach the Bible thinking that it's the answer book. And right. it is, but it's not like a, you know, encyclopedia. Let me look this one thing up and I'll Mm -hmm. find the one answer. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to understand context. You have to understand why the book was written, who Mm -hmm. it was written to, things like that help you understand it better. And then you understand it more for your life. Yep. I agree. And I would also say, you gave me this advice, dad, and it's really helped me. Don't be afraid of having questions and talking to people about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Find some good people that have read the Bible for a long time that you can ask those questions too. Because yeah. I know for for myself, that's been very helpful. If I see something and I read it and I'm like, that cop, that's messed up. Yeah. Or I'm like, it sounds like God's telling me to do something that's not biblical. What does that mean? Yeah. When you ask somebody who's been reading it for a long time, they can help you process through it because they've probably asked that same question. Yeah. And the Bible was originally written for a people that couldn't all read. Mm-hmm. So you were going to read in a group where somebody had been reading for a long time. Yeah, and knew the answer. Exactly. So now that you're in an individual context, it's a lot easier to run across stuff like that and not ask questions. But I would highly encourage you, ask questions. Yeah, that's good. So final question. Yes. Do you have a favorite pro athlete? Um, Gosh, that's a toughie. I would probably say... 
right now, I'm a, I'm a football fan. Yeah. And probably my favorite pro football player uh, is Dak Prescott because mm-hmm. I'm a Mississippi State fan. He graduated from Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. He plays for the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm a Cowboys fan because I'm a Dak fan. I'm not right. naturally a Cowboys fan. I'm not really a fan of any particular team yeah. in the pros. But but I like Dak. So I want to see yeah. him do well. I'd love to see him get a Super Bowl, things like that. So he's yeah. probably, I would say, my favorite. Yeah. I mean, for me, I once again, like I talked about a few weeks ago, I'm not super into sports. Uh, and I don't follow athletes I don't really follow them like people do celebrities. I think yeah. a lot of people do that. Yeah. I don't. So what I can say, though, is having played tennis, one of the most admired tennis players for me is Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way Federer does things because he's the definition. Like He's playing in the pros all the way through his 40s, yeah, which is pretty much unheard of in almost any professional sport, but he's doing it. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that he's willing to rest. Like this man gets ten hours of sleep a night. He does a night, and he uh, does like a two-hour practice here, two-hour practice there. He's the definition of an athlete that is excellent because he puts in the hours over time. Yeah, he doesn't grind super hard for a week and then totally exhaust himself. He does mm-hmm. a moderate, sustainable pace of getting better, yeah. and that's enabled him to to play longer than most people can in any sport. Yeah, and so I admire that that rest ethic because you mm-hmm. kind of have to have like boundaries to do that. Yeah. And I admire the fact that he does that moderate pace very well and very gracefully all the way through, you know, uh, his 40s. Yeah, and he's done it to where, you know, he has obtained success but still kept that pace, mm-hmm. which is something that's very admirable. Yeah, so I admire the way that he practices and plays the game like that. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, that's all the time we got for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. If you happen to have any questions for us, feel free to email us at questions at heydad.us or uh, DM us on the Hey Dad podcast on Instagram. We'll be happy to get to whatever those questions may be, deep, serious, or just fun, having a good time. Uh, Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we pray you've got a blessed day. Thank you for joining us on the Hey Dad Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode today, subscribe so you don't miss any new content. We'd also love for you to rate and leave a review and help us get the word out to more people. If these talks are making your life better, we ask that you share them with someone else. If you have any questions for us or anything going on in your life you want an opinion on, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at questions at heydad.us or send us a message on our Instagram page at the Hey Dad Podcast. Join us next week. We'll have a chair waiting for you.